Sairam and welcome to Fleeting Moments Lasting Memories. In this series we bring you conversations with former students of Bhagwan's schools and colleges. Today we bring you the second and final part of our conversation with Mrs. Lata Ramesh. In conversation with her is Radio Sai's Karuna Munshi and it was recorded on 2nd April 2014. There was one more learning I had when I was in college. Once I remember all we classmates had gathered in the ground and we were busy criticizing and complaining about the system, about teachers, about this and what this is not happening. And for almost the whole, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, we kept criticizing and complaining. And towards the end of that time, one of my classmates suddenly she came in the middle, she stood in the middle and she said, "Girls, what are we doing?" we are criticizing and do you think that swami is not here swami is not listening and immediately it struck me that what she's saying is so true mm. and while we may have a lot of reasons for us thinking that yeah we have the right to complain and criticize but swami doesn't like it and that is the truth and so we immediately dispersed and this learning i carried with me you know ever since then and uh, now i think twice before criticizing or complaining and this is a valuable lesson and i mean my whole anantpur days were filled with so many it was not just about experiencing swami feeling swami's presence it was this inner transformation which had got activated and you know education the degree was incidental in my case too i have no idea when i studied and got my degrees i have no clue but tell me one thing when you say that you learned to not criticize and not to complain What do you do now when you're unhappy with the situation and you don't see it being perfect? If you find a situation which is disturbing and not the way you think it should be, how do you process that? How do you deal with it? You may not articulate your complaint or your criticism, but are you not processing it internally without speaking it out in your mind? Yeah. I got a solution to this also when I was in Anantapur in one of the discourses. Swami said that uh, he told us to welcome problems and at that moment of time i kept introspecting about it and thinking that why is swami saying welcome problems even I mean, he can say accept problems he can say tolerate problems or he can say you or can deal with deal them, with them. Yeah. why did he say welcome and for a many many years you know i would keep thinking about it till finally one day it just came automatically because problems are blessings that is what swami is trying to say and when we welcome problems we are able to see the blessing hidden within the problem but as long as we are just accepting or tolerating problems it is it we are just fighting with it but then the moment we start welcoming them and we realize that this is like swami says everything is for the good he say in balvikas we teach the children see only the good see only the good and there is goodness in in every situation in every problem and i am not saying i have i've been able to practice it a lot but i am i just try and be aware of it every time i have a stressful situation and i keep telling myself that this is swami's blessing and if this is a blessing let me be like a, become like a detective and try and unearth what is the goodness hidden underneath and invariably most of the time like for example when i had my back surgery and i could not see swami on close quarters and many a time i was not able to you know sit on the floor and touch swami's feet like many of my alumni friends um i would feel quite bad and then i kept thinking that 
like one Shivratri when Swami was taking out the linga I was there in 19 I think it was 1999 or 98 I'm not sure and from far we we since we I was sitting in the bench they got gave us permission to stand up on the bench all the old ladies and me and we all stood there and we could see swami so clearly and you're so tall that yeah. would have really helped yes <laughs> the tallest old lady <laughs> yeah yeah and things like that and i could see and moreover i after this back episode it becomes easier for me to relate to swami's omnipresence and to not worry so much about swami's physical form i think that was one of the blessings that i got from it so so let's talk more about your practice of his presence or omnipresence in your life uh it started way back in my school days and i had to go to school alone i must have been in my third or fourth standard in mumbai and there i had to cross a lot of places where there were some wine shops and and places where there were a lot of hooligans or gundas just standing and smoking in the road and all that and it used to trouble me and disturb me and i looked much above my age at that time and then i don't know how it started but i started uh, imagining that i'm holding swami's hand i used to clasp my hand like this and walk all i needed to do to just clasp my hand like this and i would feel that swami is there with me and then i would chant the gayatri mantra and keep chanting gayatri my mother kept telling me that's the most powerful security it's like a bulletproof armor it is it is and you will be completely protected and i would just do that and slowly over the days and it just made me fearless and every time there was fear there was some kind of anxiety i would just clasp my hand and i would visualize for me there it's a very nice practice yeah and then when i was in my 6th grade again it was a beautiful personal experience where i consciously prayed to swami and he answered my prayer so i had done very badly in my math exam <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i done so miserably that i despaired of even getting four or five marks and uh, i think the minimum passing was some 13 and i came back when i was walking back home i was all crying and i was praying to swami and i stopped by at a nearby temple any temple i go into <laughs> i i keep praying only to swami so i pray to swami i said swami i know i've not studied well and i've done miserably but i've never failed in any subject so far and my parents would be terribly disappointed if i did failed here so please ensure that i pass and i promise you that henceforward i will put more effort in my studies and this was a pact between and i came back home and i told my mother she said don't worry swami will take care and when the results were announced i got 14 marks oh and to this day i don't know because i most of my questions were unanswered i don't know how i got this he <laughs> would give you a bonus mark eh? yes yes 13 plus 1 yes he did and then i remember in 1983 we came as a big balvikas group to puttaparthi there was a india wide balvikas rally in 1983 and we were a huge group who had come from mumbai and maharashtra and all the children parents gurus were made to stay in huge tents were erected for that that day evening there was a big storm and lot of winds and it started raining there was a power cut and the tent started moving swaying and the wooden pole which was holding the tent upright that all started moving you know and we were scared we were right inside the tent that the tent would fall on top of our heads but our balvikas gurus were very encouraging and very positive they made us all stand in groups of 10 and each of us hold one pole and start chanting om shri sai ram so for 45 minutes to an hour in the darkness all of us just held on to that pole and kept chanting om shri sai ram om shri sai ram i'm sure so many of my balvikas friends yes. who were there and there was recall. a major cyclone in coastal india when this episode happened yes. so the gusty winds were an outcome of that cyclone yes yes 
and then of course after that we were shifted to more concrete sheds and all that but the next day swami in the discourse he praised us a lot and he said that these are my balvikas children and they have so much of faith and so much of devotion and i felt very happy and that was something that i try and pass on to my children and tell them that don't undermine the importance of the simple words om shri sai ram and the gayatri mantra and have the faith and devotion that swami will steer clear of any troubles at all times um uh, didi there's one more incident uh, all this time my faith and devotion to swami had been steadily increasing but there was one marked incident in my life when he completely captured my heart and uh, that was in my ninth grade i was a teenager 14 years old and uh, i had accompanied my mother she had come for sevadal duty from maharashtra and i just accompanied her it was my summer holidays and we had come for darshan and you know in those days in the sands we used to run to get the first token line you know whatever we used to be so excited about it and i would write om shri sai ram in the book and all that and one of the days i was sitting in the third row from the front and swami came near the person sitting in the front and he created vibhuti and instinctively i knelt and offered my kerchief to swami and there were many others who were seated right in the front in the second row who also offered kerchiefs but what swami did was he looked at me intensely into my eyes and he bent down and took my kerchief wiped his hand and threw it back to me and he continued his darshan it was only when he started moving i realized that the kerchief that i had offered swami was not a new one it was the used one which i had been using the whole day and i realized that swami chose to bless my kerchief where there were so many another five or six kerchiefs offered to him right from the front and that was when i was so touched by his unconditional love for this simple ordinary teenager he just took over my life mm. such a tender moment isn't it yes <laughs> you have to treasure it forever yes yeah. so lata today you are a mother of two teenagers and you're a very busy multitasking woman you do so many things you're involved in the samiti work how do you practice his presence and how do you navigate through so many different challenges in your life there's a lot of constraint on your time that i'm aware of because you have constantly deadlines to meet and i do realize that when we work for our sai centers It's like a full-time job. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How do you juggle it all? I think chanting Swami's name, chanting the Gayatri Mantra. And like I said, He had prepared me in Anantapur <laughs> with that duty consciousness. And I had always been aware of the importance of holding on to Him within. And as I practiced that, I think it became a little easier for me to manage. There were a lot of challenges. Like I remember when I graduated from Anantapur, I joined my postgraduate in Mumbai. I was the only girl wearing sari to college in Mumbai, and my classmates would look down upon me and say, "This girl has come from some village in Andhra Pradesh," and you know. And the first time the tests happened in my class, the professor just handed over the question papers, and he just walked out of the class. And my classmates also started, you know, taking opening their books and just copying. and then i asked him what is happening he said this is common this is uh, it is a given but i told myself this is not what i would want to do and i went and sat alone in a bench and sat without copying myself or you know letting somebody else copy from me and um, slowly i started earning respect because of that and i realized that when we practice values 
Of course, we don't need to do that because we will learn respect, but it automatically comes to us. Swami does all the work and he lets us take all the credit. And many instances, like I remember when I was listening to Radio Sai some time back and you had an episode about the Gayatri Mantra. I recollected some beautiful experiences of my own. When I was a teenager, I was studying my 12th grade. My mother asked me to take tuitions in the slums. And I would finish college at 6 o'clock in the evening and then go to the slum directly from there. I would be all tired. And the entry point to the slum, there was a narrow alley and it was quite dark and a lot of antisocial elements sitting there. And I would just chant the Gayatri Mantra and for a whole year, while coming back, it would be 8, 8, 13 at night, the whole year, I would just hold on to the Gayatri Mantra, chanting it while going and while coming and I was completely fearless. It was not that anything didn't happen to me. It just made me so fearless. It gives you that confidence. As you said, it's like a bulletproof vest you're wearing. It's invisible to the outer world. And when you know that you're wearing a bulletproof vest, you're not going to be worried about somebody shooting at you. Yes, yes. (laughs) It gives you a very strong inner confidence. And last year, I had a major fall in Bangalore. I hurt my lips and I needed more than 25 sutures on my lips. They just rushed me to the nearest hospital. And while those doctors were putting the sutures, I was awake and aware. Though they had given me a local anesthesia, I could still feel a little bit of pain. But the constant chanting of Gayatri Mantra for the whole hour while they were doing the sutures not only helped me not feel the pain, not feel anxiety and be fearless at that point of time, it also helped the doctors, I realized later, to do the stitching in such perfect order. Now, whenever whichever doctor I show to, they say they have done such a beautiful job. And it was a very small hospital, very ordinary doctors there. I mean, it is... uh, Because Gayatri impacts the entire environment around you, not only you, but everybody else around you. Yes. So I think your chanting guided the doctors in their work also. Yes, yes. And I've taught this Gayatri right from the beginning to my children too. And when they had to be taken for vaccinations, <laughs> and I, <laughs> we made them chant. And even now, it's very comical sometimes when the needle goes in, they start. They keep going on. And they themselves say when we chant, we it's feel less pain. Yes. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. Oh, there's one more incident, Didi, I would like to share. This is when my daughter was born. I was five months pregnant with her and I wanted a girl. And one day when I was doing my prayers, I was praying to Swami about it and I could hear Swami's voice very clearly saying that it will be a girl. And then he told me, you name her Ananta. And he explained the meaning. He said, Ananta means one who lives forever. And then after my prayers, when I opened my eyes, I thought maybe it's just my mind playing tricks. And, you know, sometimes you imagine, over-imagine and you're wishing so badly to have a girl and maybe that is why it's all happening. But the moment I opened my eyes, there was a nectar amritam flowing from Swami's photo. Just at that moment, it was just still wet and flowing. And then I realized that this is Swami and this is what he wanted me to name her. But then I was thinking, what kind of name it is? I would have gone for a more fancier name. (laughs) But uh, this is what... And finally, when she was born, the whole mystery, uh, you know, opened up. She was six-day-old baby when she was diagnosed with a condition called septicemia. It's an infection of the blood and it became very serious. She had to be hospitalized and all kind of tubes were inserted into the small baby right in her veins and her nose and mouth and it was very painful. 
and she was right inside the ward and the doctors were working on her and i was crying outside sitting in the whole day you know it was that's what was happening and two days three days the doctors tried putting in antibiotics into her and they even gave her a blood transfusion but she was not responding to any of those medicines and slowly her condition was deteriorating and then the third day my mother who was also there with me she said enough is enough now we will not just keep quiet swami you have to help this girl you have to help this baby and she literally you know told swami you have to do it and she took a lot of vibhuti and started massaging this baby and the nurses who were there they said don't be careful all the tubes are there she said no i'm just going to do that and she spent the next half an hour massaging the baby with vibhuti and chanting gayatri mantra and saying om shri sairam and within 2 hours she started responding to the medicines and when the doctors came for the evening rounds there was a smile on their face and they realized that this girl is becoming better and within the next two days she was discharged and she never had any of those symptoms and any of those problems again and it was then i realized like we have so many different interpretations of the meaning of the word ananta but swami said one who lives forever meaning that i will make her live i will take care of her i will give her a new life Hmm. and that was what he did and you have a beautiful daughter named yes, anantana she's studying here in swami school swami school wonderful lata you have extensive experience as a balvikas guru you've taught all groups at all levels how did you experience swami's presence there and how did you bring what you've learned at his lotus feet into that experience as a guru being a balvikas guru was a beautiful learning experience for me Initially I started thinking that I have so many things to share for the children and children are going to learn but then over the years I've realized that it is me as a guru who's doing the learning we are learning constantly as we are teaching there's so one beautiful experience I would like to share there just a couple of years back I was taking the third group balvikas prisevadal that's what it's called in India we were teaching bhagavad gita shlokas to the children and I was preparing for a particular shloka it goes like uddhare datmanatmanam natmanam avasadayet atmeva yatmano bandhur atmeva ripuratmanah and the meaning of the shloka is that man can elevate himself on his own he can push himself down on his own and he is his own friend and he is his own enemy and while i was preparing for the shloka that day something had happened and i was very upset and very depressed myself but you know being the duty conscious that i have become i decided i have to go for this class and take this class but while i was preparing for the shloka i came across a beautiful story and it was a very beautiful touching story story goes like this that there is a old woman who lost her husband and her son in a series of tragic accidents and she became very very depressed after that and so depressed that she literally house arrested herself and she wouldn't go out anywhere she would hardly eat and for many months she was in a state of that depression till one day one of the windows of her room was open and a bird which was slightly injured had hopped into the room and seeing the bird her natural maternal instinct arose and she wanted to help the bird take out the thorn or whatever it was it was its feet was injured but this bird what it did it went under the cot and when it went under the cot she kept trying to you know uh, bend down and search for it and it was very dark under the cot and she could hardly see it and then she just spoke to the bird very sweetly she said what are you doing there underneath hidden in the darkness how can i help you 
if you don't come out this were the words that she spoke to the bird but when she spoke to the bird she realized that this was her higher consciousness speaking to her and it is the same thing for her as long as she locks herself in the house and refuses to come out and refuses to make an attempt to come out of the depression how can god help her and so she started you know becoming better and i was preparing the story for this shloka and i realized that as i was preparing and as i was reading that story my depression lifted my mood became elevated and i started sharing the story with the children in the class and i felt so happy after that and i realized it is in our hands we have the choice to be happy or to be sad we have the choice to raise ourselves up or put ourselves down and we have the choice to be our best friend or our worst enemy yes. and i've always found that teaching children actually benefits me the most yes. because you can't tell children anything till you believe in it absolutely and uh, you can be the best most eloquent teacher it won't have the same impact unless you mean the words you utter absolutely so balvika serves the guru more than the children yes yes it? yes and that's why sometimes even if there are one or two children in the class i still want to continue the class i still want to take the class because finally it's me who's benefiting and i don't want to miss that benefit and who knows that one child in your class could be a future vivekananda or a ramakrishna paramhamsa yeah. so you can't take that chance you can't leave one child behind also yes yes and as i kept teaching the children i realized like we would tell them about swami's sayings help ever hurt never love all serve all start early drive slowly read safely be good do good see good this is the way to god and all those simple words swami's words are so simple and so profound and then i realized that swami is not just this form he is his words he's in the countless discourses that he has spoken he is the act of selfless service that he has been doing all his life and it's still happening today he is in that love which is in that innocent children who are fondly looking up to me and saying yes aunty sairam aunty he is there in each one of us and that was the blessing that i got from balvikas and i always tell my children that swami is there still there even now in each one of us Let us today the reality is quite altered the mahasamadhi has happened why is bhagwan's presence still so important in your life and how do you go about continuing to practice his presence in everything that you do when i was a school going child i used to proudly go and ask my classmates have you seen god have you seen god you know <laughs> and they would say yeah every sunday we see every day we go to the temple we see god i said no not that god in the temple in the statue but the real living god who walks around us and who speaks to us and whom we can touch they said no who can see that i said no no i have seen and very proudly i used to uh, and that is a feeling i still carry with me even today i mean just the fact that we have been there at the time of the avatar and we have seen his living presence and we are continuing to experience his omnipresence is the greatest gift and i always tell my mother that um, this is the greatest gift of inheritance that my parents have given us this gift of introducing us to swami of showing us what god is and i try to do the same thing for my children and finally if they hold on to swami and swami continues in their lives or not that is left between swami and them but as a mother as a parent it is my job to introduce them to swami because it is the most valuable gift it's the most valuable blessing 
don't we go around telling people when there's a 50% discount sale in, in shopper stop or lifestyle and we go about telling you know and we got such beautiful things but then this is the most priceless blessing that we have why are we keeping quiet about it and why are we hesitating to introduce our children to it and ensuring that they are able to feel swami's love and holding on to swami's support at all points of time that's the greatest gift i mean there's no, no sense in leaving them wealth and possessions and other things more important to leave them this gift and i think it's also the best insurance policy we can buy for our children yes insurance against calamities disasters disappointments heartbreaks yes. so called failure in life yes. so that they have something so solid to fall back upon and as a parent i think that's the most valuable gift one can give the children yes yes that is the most valuable thing and i remember jamma ma'am used to tell us when we were in college especially when we were leaving anantpur she said that don't worry that you're leaving anantpur and prashanti nilayam you can carry prashanti nilayam wherever you go carry it with you and i would wonder what does she mean by carrying it but as a mother i later on i realized that it is up to us whether we are able to create that environment of prashanti nilayam in our homes in our workplace in our surroundings and around ourselves it is up to us and we can do that and i try to do that you know we go for veda classes we go for bhajans my children go for balvikas and slowly and we listen to radio sai every day morning live very good practice may i say <laughs> very good for the health of the whole family <laughs> no just listening to the om and the rudram chanting it immediately elevates whatever mood we are in and the house feels like prashanti there are many times i listen to the live from mandir at home uh, yes. especially when i'm off yes. away from work these days most yes. of the time yes. the moment i switch on and the omkar comes on I'm just transported to cycle Vanthal and that's also what most of our listeners report back to us. Yes, yes. What a blessing Somi has given yes. us in the form of Radio yes, Sai really. Yes, yes. It is I I must really thank you guys so much here. Yeah. No, we we must all thank Somi for it. Yes, It's his do. grace and uh, Professor Venkatraman's hard work that such a thing has come to fruition that people have access to daily live from the mandir twice a day. Yes, yes. It is. It is. and one more thing that i feel it's important to do when we are practicing swami's presence in our lives is to stay being positive and in this world where there's so much of negativity all around and while practicing swami's teachings or doing swami's work or doing our own personal sadhana we have to really work extra hard at being positive at all times and the times when i am not positive i am very negative i really miss the lesson that is hidden within a circumstance or a problem or within people you know difficult people whatever there's difficulties all around us negativity all around us and hidden under those storm clouds is those beautiful rainbows and we miss all that if we are not positive and i feel it's really very important we have to work at it it's not easy but it needs to be done so lata clearly your life is saturated by swami and his teachings If I simply asked you a question, who is Bhagwan Sri Satyasai Baba for you? What would you say? When Swami corrects and guides me, He is my guru and guide. When He nurtures, nourishes, admonishes, and disciplines, He is my divine mother and father. When He teaches me, He molds me. When He transforms me, He is my divine teacher. When He supports, He motivates, and He encourages and lends a shoulder to rest on, He is my divine friend. When he energizes and he heals me, he's a divine physician and healer. And at all times, he's my God, someone who loves me absolutely, unconditionally. He's my life, my reason for existence.
Very beautifully said. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much Great for helping me relive and recount all those beautiful blessings that I've experienced in my life. And I'm sure our listeners will enjoy listening to it as well and find a lot of answers and a great deal of inspiration. Thank you very much, Lata. Thank you so much. Sai Ram. Sai Ram, dear listeners, you just heard the second and final part of our fleeting moments conversation with Mrs. Lata Ramesh, an alumna of Sri Satsa Institute of Higher Learning, Anantpur campus. In conversation with her was Radio Sai's Karuna Munshi. and it was recorded on 2nd april 2014 this was yet another episode of our series fleeting moments lasting memories we hope you enjoyed it the audio engineers for this program were sunil and abhishek your feedback suggestions and comments are very welcome at listener@radiosai.org thank you for your company and please do continue to stay tuned to our next program sairam